Training for Ultra, Ultra Running Stories from the Middle of the Pack. My book is now on Audible and also iTunes. Feel free to check it out. I wanted to thank the show's sponsors. Big thank you to Exoskin. They've been a supporter of this podcast. I absolutely love their toe socks, calf sleeves, base layers. I, I wear their regular socks a lot of times on training runs, but during Bigfoot 200 here in just about two weeks, I've decided I'm going all toe socks. I'll definitely be using those calf sleeves. I think those are incredible. And the best part is I throw everything in a bin, and when I get home, they don't smell. Um, so it's a high-tech fiber that, I mean, check out their website. If you need 20% off, feel free to use my promo code T, the number 4U20. Highly recommend the product. I, I would be using it regardless if they were a show sponsor at this point. Big thank you also to Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't tried Perpetuum or some of the other Hammer products, feel free to use my promo code for 15% off your first order. Use the promo code, referral code 252888, and you'll save 15% off. Big thank you to Sufferfest Beer. I will be giving away a lot of free Sufferfest today. Denver Tech Center's Boulder Running Company has a customer appreciation group run. I'll be out there giving away a few free books. So check that out. Big thank you to Destination Trail, Candace Burt and her team. Kind of excited about the um, the Tahoe event too. There, she's putting together some really cool races. I know there's a bunch of different race distances. So I know I talk about the 200 mile distance at a lot of these places, but there are a bunch of other shorter races, and it should just be a really fun community vibe to check out. And I felt like for Ultimate Direction this week, let's check in with one of their athletes. I'm joined here by Crystal Seaver. I just wanted to catch up with a friend. We met at the uh, UD conference a few weeks back, a few months probably at this point. Crystal is a, I mean, she has a, a cool website. She's a, are you personal fitness instructor? Is that how you describe yourself? Yeah, personal trainer. Teach personal trainer. all day, every day. And... What do you have coming up here? Little, little tiny race out west? Yeah, just Squamish 50-50. No big deal. We were we were texting back and forth and on Instagram. If you don't follow Crystal on Instagram, you should check her out. She has really like real-life updates. They're not – that's kind of how we related so much, I think, was we just kind of keep it real. But we were messaging back and forth about her training, and I wanted to hear – how your long run went this weekend and kind of what you have in store until Squamish. Yeah. So final peak weeks of training right now, ran Friday in North Carolina, which is really fun this time of year because it's 100 degrees, real feel, maybe 105 and 100% humidity. Um, aiming for kind of the 50 K mark came in at 27 miles just because we had camp pickup and you can't really be the parents that like try to use the excuse of I was running 30 miles. That's why I wasn't here (laughs) because no one would believe you. I haven't Uh, tried that one. That's a good one. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what this would turn out like. They'd probably just stare at you. But um, (laughs) yeah, uh, everyone was like, it was really hot and it it was, but it's been really hot in North Carolina. And so if you play it smart and you hydrate and you make your route kind of according to that and can get back to the truck and refill bottles you're okay and you just keep going obviously you scale the pace and the intensity for the heat but it felt really good overall um 
I was a little bit skeptical going into it, just knowing that I haven't run 30 miles in a while, but it went really well and definitely could have kept going. This week is kind of the last peak week um, leading into this event, and we'll do the same thing. We'll run 30 miles on Friday on our baby mountain in North Carolina, where you just basically you know, run up and down the same part of the mountain over and over again to get your elevation in. And then do a follow-up the next day with 10 miles. And then everything from there on out is just sort of easy running and living and, and our don't be stupid philosophy. Yeah, we were joking about that. <laughs> my it's hard, right? Last week, I think, uh, I would say 90% of my runs were hard effort. And it was yep. one of those, like, I have the fitness to maybe try to push the envelope I got away with it. I didn't injure myself. And like for Bigfoot, I mean, your training has to be a little stupid, but not so stupid that you hurt yourself. I'm just glad to be done with last week. And now I'm essentially tapering into it. Um, so, I mean, we, we talked about how your training's feeling. You were kind of, you were almost questioning yourself a little bit. I, I mean, that's what I was sensing. I mean, are you feeling more confident now after your long run? Um, yes. So the reason I've been questioning it a little bit is I have no idea if my neck and back injury will sort of kind of present itself over the longer miles. That's right. This yeah. year, I've been in a much better place, like, on these shorter runs, even back-to-back runs and kind of that high mileage feeling a lot better. I just... It's definitely there at back of mind. Will my back hold up for, you know, the long distance and the steep terrain? Um, but I, I feel pretty confident about it. I'm feeling good and much better than I was last year. So that is promising. I can't say I feel as good as I did, you know, four years ago or pre-injury. But I, I feel pretty confident that my training is where it needs to be. And as long as my body sort of holds up on actual race day, then we're good to go. And so, just for the listeners' background, if they haven't heard of Squamish 50-50, I mean, first of all, go to YouTube, check out Ethan Newberry's film. That's, Mm -hmm. I think that was the first film I ever watched on the treadmill, um, on my first run, actually. Um, What is that race, like, and do you have kind of a strategy going into it? Yeah, so Squamish 50-50 is out in British Columbia, Squamish area, and you are running some pretty beautiful trails but if you take on the 50 50 challenge that means you're going to run 50 miles on day one go to sleep wake up the next morning and run 50k on the same course on day two so from a strategy perspective for me it's you kind of have to scale back the intensity on day one knowing that you have to get up and run again on day two but at the same time you don't want to be out there forever because you want a long window of recovery in between um so for me, I also kind of play off my strengths and I'm a stronger climber than I am at coming on this steep downhill. Also, I know that if I take that downhill a little bit easier, my back will feel a little bit better at the end of the day. So really go into it with sort of a consistent kind of pace and effort, um, one that's manageable over two days versus one day. And really, you just have to have fun out there because there's nothing good about, you know, going to sleep or trying to sleep and waking up and getting ready to move again. So you just have to kind of take it and smile and use the energy of the people there um, to keep going. But you also have some of the most 
beautiful trails that I've ever been on. So you you play to that and say, you know, I get to be out here versus I have to be out here. We're going to have Crystal on for a whole episode coming up here soon. Um, it, you're just, if anything, just such a nice person. But yeah, I've run next to her, what was it, in Boulder. <laughs> and she'd just flown in from basically sea level. And I think I was breathing harder than you were. Um, so you're fit. And you do a ton of um, strength training, and I, I think it'll be a really interesting episode. So I look forward to that. Best of luck, you know, with this last long run and, and taper into Squamish, and I can't wait to hear more about the race. And, I mean, I initially called you because I needed help with my ads. So what kind of ultimate direction pack are you going to use? Are you going to just take handhelds, or are you going to use a vest? No, I'm using, so on the first day, I'll wear the Ultra Vesta, which I will wear that one because it has two bottles and a good amount of storage. And then likely for the 50K, I'll just bring my race Vesta. So I'll switch each day and that also will just be more comfortable to wear the smaller pack on day two. Cool. Yeah, I'm going Mountain 4.0 for the rest of 2019, I think. Um, yeah. Having those extra storage, you know, mm-hmm. pockets in the very front for my gels mm-hmm. is like a must. And the side zips on the left and right have been good. So thank you for joining me. I know this was early morning and totally random, but I had fun. And I truly am oh, wishing you perfect. best of luck. Keep your back in good shape going in and have fun. Thank you. Thank you. And have the best day. And that was a moment I, I can look back on now. And uh, that was one of my favorite moments, getting a foot massage by Hayden at mile 62. This is um, a fan of yours, and I'm just calling in to express my admiration. It's Dean Carnassus, the ultra marathon man. Hello, listeners. This is Chris Mako, and we are live. And you're listening to Training for Ultra podcast. This is Anime Flynn, and I'm here talking to Training for Ultra podcast. Yeah, it's like really, I just need to catch up with Rob. 100 miles is not that far. <laughs> I, I thought oh. it was a joke, actually. It, it is. I thought it was one of your jokes, yeah. It is a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so classic. Oh my God, because literally thing would be like beep, beep, beep. Mother, mother, beep. Mother, mother, beep, beep. Mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Training for Ultra Podcast. I'm Sally McRae, also known as Yellow Runner. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra Podcast. Good evening. This is Joshua Stevens, the clown prince of ultra running, joining Rob on episode 98 of Training for Ultra. Josh, thanks for joining me. We have so much to go over. I, I feel the pressure covering everything here. Uh, but congrats, first of all, on your finish of Badwater 135. And you also won, what, what is it called, the Badwater? Yeah, the, the 2019 uh, Badwater Ultra Cup. So we'll dive in. Let's first mention your sponsors. I like to give them a shout out sometimes, and let's hear. No, a- absolutely. Thanks so much, Rob. And uh, let me preface it by saying it's nice to be able to come to family first to to share the story. 
and uh, truly grateful to uh, to spend some time with you. Uh, I'd love to shout out uh, my team, the Adrenaline Project, uh, which is an amazing collective group of mountain athletes based out here in the American West. I'm truly grateful to uh, to represent them. Uh, huge huge love to Ultimate Direction, Ultra, Spring Energy, Onus IV, Koya Life, and uh, Koros Global. Uh, again, super grateful for for all the love and respect that they uh, they provide me and 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 allow you know in allowing me to pursue and pursue this passion of mine. Awesome. I mean, let's take a step back. Let's start with. I mean. You have a military background. You were—is it correct? You're an Army Ranger. Yeah, that was one of the uh, that was one of the Army Special Operations Force units that I served in, for sure. And so you've—I mean—was training part of your daily existence in Special Forces? And I mean, that's that's part of your job, right? Right. You know. So you know, I really started you know, what looks or sounds like and, and certainly feels like eons ago, uh, you know, back in, in 1989, when I at first enlisted as a as an infantry private, you know, and then, you know, working my way up literally from from ground zero, uh, you know, in, in a series of uh, really kind of low end jobs that were still rewarding and and helped shape who I am today. Uh, and then eventually, uh, transitioning from the infantry into a series of Army Special Operation Force units, you know, and I ended up spending the bulk of my my 24 years at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and training is, you know, that's kind of um, it, it really depends on how you interpret or define that, but essentially, if I wasn't actively executing the duties and responsibilities of whatever position I was in, you were training at a really intense high level, you know, at, at, you know, with the intent of trying to replicate combat conditions. So 24 years went much faster, uh, than I ever thought, particularly when I look into the rear view mirror, Rob, mm-hmm. uh, and, and sometimes it's hard to, sometimes it's really hard to suss out the difference between the training component and then, and then putting those, skills uh applying those skills on the battlefield yeah i'm sure it's all basically jumbled into one um one existence almost yes sir. um so what happened i mean i know there wasn't a single event there was actually a few events but um is it correct that it was a roadside bomb in iraq that yeah was there, the was, first there were several several yeah there there were several. The, the first, uh, which occurred on uh, 24 January 2005 in a, uh, a city in northern Salah Adin province called Beji, uh, where there was a, a really critical uh, oil refinery. And Salah Adin province is uh, the province in which Saddam Hussein was born. That's where Tikrit is the, the kind of provincial you know, or that, that area's capital. And that was the first time that I was uh, exposed to directly exposed to uh, an improvised explosive device. And then, un- unfortunately for me, uh, it happened, you know, a, a few more times over the next few years. That's crazy. Like, 
and he's talking about like actually being hit by these, correct? Like you're Yeah, yeah, that's 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 direct exposure where I was the uh I guess I was the slowest guy on the team and uh <laughs> I took oh, took took the brunt of the the brunt of the punch as it were. And so what would happen? How how were well, you, you know, injured? The, yeah, so it was in, in both cases it was uh kind of a severing or breaking of my cervical spine. And in both times it happened between the, the C4 and the C7 areas. Uh, the first time being what ended up retrospectively being the most severe. Uh, I was sitting behind the driver uh, in the gun truck. We were hit uh, on our side of the vehicle by uh, an improvised explosive device that was comprised of three 155 millimeter howitzer rounds or, or anti uh uh they're heavy, heavy duty well actually yeah, heavy duty aerial uh field artillery rounds that had been daisy chained okay. together with some uh explosive uh other explosive components uh and we we were struck directly uh on the side of the vehicle uh and the driver was incapacitated and the the irony is that the vehicle jerked very hard to the driver's side and we plummeted over uh, an eight-foot irrigation ditch that the uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers was building for the Iraqi people. But there was this reinforced uh, uh, irrigation ditch. Uh, and when we drove over that, uh, upon impact, I was thrown from behind uh, the driver uh, over into the front where my head struck uh, the SATCOM and FM oh, gosh. Uh, radio uh, systems. So yeah, that uh, that uh, did a number on me, and that that's kind of where it started. And so, where did you go to be rebuilt? I mean, <laughs> did, yeah, did you have? I assume you had multiple surgeries. I did. I've had two. I had uh, the first of which was a uh, total interior disc replacement uh, uh, conducted at Walter Reed Army Medical Center. Yeah. And in the D.C. area. And the second was uh, at uh, Womack Army Medical Center at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. That's unbelievable. And so really quick, I, I feel like one of the major and we could have a whole episode just on this stuff. I mean, and I don't want to shortcut it, but sure, sure. You're going through a lot of pain. You broke your back a few times. You smashed your head on on that comm unit and like, yeah you end up getting kind of hooked on these, these pain meds and yeah, not, not, not kind of, yeah, fully Rob, fully. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I did an interview recently where I shared that, uh, you know, where we are currently in the U S with this epidemic of opioid addiction, dependency, uh, you know, that's, that's manifesting in, record numbers of overdose deaths, uh, the proliferation of uh, the Mexican uh, drug cartels because of this demand signal for for opioids in the U.S. I was in the thick of it. You know, I was I was 37 years old, Rob, and I'd never uh, consumed a drug in my life. I was about as straight edge as Mm -hmm. you're going to get. And I, I believe, you know, now after, you know, a bunch of therapy and, and you know, and making progress and then relapsing at times, and it, it's not a linear path, or at least it wasn't for me, um, that I believe in large part because of, 
of opioids ability to numb emotional pain. I believe I became uh, dependent, Rob, the first time I was injected with a, uh, a synthetic opioid called Nubane on the yeah. battlefield uh, back in the mid 2000s. I mean, that that makes sense. I, I can see with everything that you've gone through, I mean, you, you would want to be numbed to certain memories, you know, like I, yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, right. um, so you overcome that. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, by the, you know, by did, the grace of whatever how, higher power you believe in. Yeah. I, I, against all odds came out of that. And you, you somehow recognized it yourself. Is that correct? And like, yeah, just kind and, of brute, uh, brute force kind of kicked it or, I mean, how, how did you overcome that? Cause yeah. a lot of times that's the end of the story right there. No, that's, I, I love how you, you frame that. And I think, you know, what I'd like to share with people is it's an ongoing process and spiral progression. You know, getting over the physical addiction now in retrospect, I think was easier, although that it was the most uncomfortable time. You know, so I initially I initially kicked on my own uh, by locking myself in a, in a guest room for about seven days. Uh, I was a pretty senior uh, officer in a, in a pretty specialized unit. And I was very ashamed of where I had gotten, you know, it was uh, ruining, ruining many, many aspects and areas of my life. And, and it's all good until it's not. And my, you know, my hardcore dependency really covered about a six year period, Rob. Wow. Uh, and, you know, so the physical piece I initially kicked uh, you know, around, you know, 2011 ish, uh, late 2011 ish. Um, but it wasn't until really kind of after I'd retired and, and committed myself to two years of really intense therapy through the VA and the community I was living at the time. And that was, you know, one-on-one counseling, group therapy, equine assisted therapy. You know, I, I kind of fought my way through that and in, in, in the hope I want to give fellow recovering opiate addicts is that I still relapsed. You know, I still had time periods where, uh, you get pulled back into it. Uh, but you know, now where I'm at, it's been a while and you know, I'm so blessed. Yeah, exactly. I'm so blessed and so grateful. I'm at the, you know, definitely at the best point of my life and my relationships with friends and family and my kids and, uh, my exes. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I am so grateful to be where I'm at. And honestly, you and I talking about bad water today, it's cliche as it sounds. I don't think that happens without getting, you know, blown up and becoming addicted to opiates. I don't I don't know that you and I are talking right now as friends. I I couldn't agree more. Um for me, I read a book. I feel like I've heard a story where you read a book that inspired you to start ultra running, is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, and here and here's the irony, big cat. The guy whose book I read came to visit me at Boulder Running Company today. So <laughs> my my inspiration was reading uh, Scott Jurek's book Eat and Run, uh, in which you know the first chapter is his vignette on his Badwater experience. Uh, that was some, you know, probably seven years ago now, Rob. Seven years ago. I just uh, missed I, Scott today. 
You just missed Scott. Scott Dang. and Jenny. Scott Dang. and Jenny came by the shop. They are the nicest uh, people in the whole world. The greatest, greatest <laughs> human beings. But Scott, um, he got to meet my mom. Oh, you cool. met my mom today. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And so the guy that led me to to this uh, this horrific endeavor last week, <laughs> uh, it came full circle. Came to say hi. And yeah, I mean, how blessed That's am I? So cool. That's really cool. So you you read. Um, eat and run. Did that also cause you to become vegan too? At the same time, was it like a full blown kind of yeah, kind of renaissance? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I think sometimes it, look, yeah. it, it works that so way. <laughs> the the book was given to me. Um, you know, there were really three vehicles for for where I'm at right now. That was the first book, um, and then I, I had also in the same time frame been given Born to Run. And then the movie Unbreakable about the yeah. Western States 100 that J.B. Bennett did. So those things all happened at the same time. Now, in terms of becoming plant-based, you know, I was in a bad space. I was not in, I was not in good shape um, holistically. And I think the, what Scott was conveying in his story resonated with me in terms of I've got, I've got to – I've got to fix a lot of where I'm at. I've got a lot of recovering to do. I've got a lot of healing to do. Uh, and if I humble myself, then I may be willing to uh, adopt different modalities uh, that, you know, than I would have ever uh, been open to based on my very traditional upbringing and then, you know, a 24 year career and a very traditional institution. So, yeah, I can't I can't overstate this and I can't uh, say it with any more uh, conviction that that Scott really changed changed my life. Uh, and that's not just a, it has far more to do with a lifestyle choice than than simply running long distances. So tell me about the first run that you went on after you'd read those books, watched the movie. Oh, they were awful, man. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I'd been told after my surgery in 2011 that I'd never run again, you know, so I, you know, I had a very, you know, now a you're an ultra surgery. runner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I get to do it for a living. I mean, who what knows? happened? What? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, they were just, they were just That's like amazing. really slow two and three mile slogs around my neighborhood in, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Like I just get out and shuffle around like, you know, um, and and just building up and and then I retired and uh, I needed a new space to kind of reinvent myself to get out of uh, the area that I'd been in and and I moved up to Asheville, North Carolina and on my 44th birthday uh, with my friend Ann Wheatley I ran the Art Loeb Trail which was the first 50k distance I'd ever run uh, in Pisgah National Forest and. Hell, I mean, honest to God, I mean, the, the rest is kind of history. I mean, I started when I was 44. That's the first time I'd run a 50K distance or further. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And Thanks, so brother. let's not go through your race history, although I did see sure. Palm, Palmer Lake. You experienced uh, the, the 18, 2018 Palmer Lake. That even oh made a gosh. chapter in my book. It was so oh, awful. Oh, the fun run. I just – I was going – yeah. Death race slash fun run. Um, yeah, thanks, Jeremy it, Hendricks. It's funny how much attention that race is going to get yeah. in the future, oh, too. Yes, sir. Um, 
you find yourself this year. I mean, it was really cool. And for the listeners' background, if you didn't pick up already, um, Josh was crew captain and pacer for Matt Daniels at Western States. And we had met before, but that's when we, like, really got to know each other better. Um, I got yes, to sir. see uh, ex-special ops guy taking care of, of crewing and pacing Western States, which was a treat. Um seeing how organized you are and strategizing. Um, And this year, what happened? How did you find yourself uh, with your current race schedule? And then let's dive into (laughs) Badwater 135. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's it's all – I think everything kind of happens in spiral progression. You know, you – you know – I think if you're passionate and you put in the work uh, and you, and you try to be a good person, you, good things will generally happen and surrounding yourself with good people. You gotta, you've got to be surrounded by positive people and, and people that uh, inspire you and, and lift you up. And I've been, you know, I've been blessed ever since uh, I started the sport and particularly since I came uh, out to Boulder and Estes to, just be surrounded by incredible people and, and opportunities have followed now, this year, you know, it was who I could have never, I could have never anticipated getting into both Badwater 135 and coming up in the Leadville lottery. And that's kind of how this, this year was shaped was back in, in January and February, you know, January, I find out through the lottery that I'm in Leadville uh, and I get a chance of redemption there. Uh, and then, you know, beyond my greatest ambitions, I'm one of 100 athletes from around the world selected to run the Badwater 135 this year. Uh, and we don't know how many days we have, right? If anybody knows that, it's me. Uh, and you, then you got to go all in, right? You know, so they're only separated by 30 days. So that kind of sets conditions, you know, for for 2019. Uh, and then I, I kind of backed that off and said, let's go let's go bigger. Let's try to do the entire Badwater Ultra Cup series and then do Leadville. <laughs> and if that's not enough, let's you know, let's get invitations to crew some of your best friends. You know, Maddie calls me for Western. Uh, I was going to be there. Uh, had Hard Rock gone down, I was going to be out there with Meredith Edwards helping Jason Schlarb. You know, really would would have been just a few days after Badwater. That's what we were shooting for, um, and and goodness knows how it happened, but everything is is falling into into place so far. So that was that was what the uh, the uh, tapestry of 2019 looked like. I mean, God knows, super ambitious, probably overreaching. Uh, but I don't know how many days we got left spinning around the sun. Uh, I, I went all in. Hey, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. No, I... <laughs> well, you're doing the triple crown of 200s, and I just saw Candace out there, so you get it. Yeah, I, I mean, thirty. We got, we both have those 30-day windows of recovery, and yeah, we'll save and, that. And, and, instead of whining, I just remember that you got 30 days between 200s. So yeah, I got a cake. I got a cakewalk, buddy. Yeah, I mean, what's at, what's after Leadville? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> let's... I'm going to take up macrame and stamp collecting, dude. <laughs> uh, 
So what was your experience like going through the check-in at Badwater 135? It's like probably top 10 hardest races in the world, probably arguably one of the hardest. And yeah, I mean, just the check-in yeah, process, yeah. I'd be not winded. I'd be sweating my ass off. Like, yeah. And, what, and, what's and that I'm like? Glad you, I'm glad you framed it like that because, you know, I, you know, I've been, I'm, it's just still foot racing. So compared to getting blown up or shot at, nothing's that hard. However, in context of, you know, what we're doing, I haven't, I haven't towed the line at the Barkley. I haven't towed the line at Hard Rock. So I, I kind of, you know, and at 48 years old, I, I hope that I've got the wisdom to not get into these ridiculous comparisons uh, uh, that yeah. are based on total subjectivity. But what I will share with you is the Badwater 135 uh, is one of the toughest things you're ever going to try to do. And it is no joke. And, and if, if you... It is the same respect I have for anyone who's towed the line and an arguably difficult race. Scott Jurek and I sat down and talked before I went out and raced, and he said, man, this this is not a race. This is survival. And he wasn't joking. Rob, when you get there, you know, when you get down to Furnace Creek, the, it's so oppressive. The closest thing that I ever experienced was Baghdad, Iraq, in the summer i was thinking that yeah i mean yeah yeah i mean it is you know numbers and profiles and personal opinions it's all garbage who cares if you want to do something tough if you honestly want to challenge yourself put your name in the hat and and try to get into bad walkers it's going to punch you in the mouth when you just go into the racer briefing you know it's it's six or seven at night in furnace creek it's 124 degrees you know, it, it, it like it is physically oppressive and the space uh, is literally trying to kill you. And I loved it. I loved every single minute of it in the history and the uh, the legends who have tread, you know, that course, Rob. It's one and of the for geeks, top for, yeah, historic. For, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For yeah. geeks like you and me. For, you know, for, you know, Maddie and I talked about it today and, and Hayden sent me you know, for guys like us. Man, it's you know, they're. I, I, okay, so let me preface this. I hate false equivalencies. I, you, you can, you can use. What's the old saying that we said in the army? There's lies, damn lies, and then there's statistics. You can make anything look hard, right, brother? Yeah. But literally, there are fewer than 900 people who have finished Badwater. There've been over 5,000 people at the top of Everest. Yep. It's no joke, man. Yeah. And so you know, I'm hats off to what Laz and those guys do. And, and, ha- and I've been out to hard rock. That's no joke. But brother, for me personally, hardest thing I've ever done was finish bad water. I, I love your perspective. Cause you're like, you're going in and you're like comparing it to roadside bombs and like <laughs> sniper fire. And, and like in terms yeah. of the temperature and climate and everything, you're, you just said it was like Baghdad in summer. Yeah. With, well, and you well, don't even have roadside bombs or, or well, sniper fire, to, so this is a piece of cake. Up, brother, it's all clean country living. <laughs> exactly. So, what's the start like? What what time did you start? Um, the yeah. wait, the waves were kind of confusing to me, just having not totally researched everything. Sure. Um, and kind of where where was your mind? Because you were trying to win the Badwater Ultra Cup, yeah. also. So you got like a lot of things going on. 
um, yeah. at the start line. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's tough because it's a PM start, right? And you know, anyone who anyone who runs ultras understands like you want to try to keep circadian rhythms and and eating schedules and you just your day-to-day business as close uh as close to your normal schedule as possible so there are three shifts or three waves that start and and bad water you know it starts based on the moon phase i mean it's the hottest it's you know forecasted to be the hottest day of the year on the hottest place on the planet with a record temperature of 134 uh and it has changed historically it used to be you know a morning start but with a 60 hour cutoff it's now an evening start but with only a 48 hour cutoff on a 135 mile race so i was in the middle way if i started at 9 30 p.m pacific time and and that's a mind fuck I mean, that's, that is, that's not a normal time to start a race. That's when you're going so, to bed if you're right. Well, me, I'm a, going to a bed dad at two because I'm, yeah. I'm the Keith Richards of Estes Park. Yeah. I'm <laughs> at 9 PM. I'm down. <laughs> so like, yeah, you know, the whole day, you know, you're in Furnace Creek and in the, in the sheer logistics of what your crew has to do is mind bending. And they're trying to go through this and give you space and, you know, I'm in there listening. I think I, I think I listened to uh, a Mark Marin, uh, what the fuck podcast with with Sean Lennon. I think I listened to that like three times, uh, and I'm just sitting in there, you know, either listening to music and dozing off. But yeah, it's it's tough because, you, you know, anybody you're getting ready to run a race, you're not, you, you know, you're a little bit amped up. So yeah, you know, starting at 9:30. And it's still over a hundred degrees. I mean, it's, it, dude, it was surreal. It, you know, I liken it to that scene in Apocalypse Now when Captain Willard, played by you know Martin Sheen, they're going down the river to the base camp that's got all the fireworks and you know all the. It's it's a crazy scene as you're driving to the start at Badwater Basin and the first wave is coming by you. It's got all the blinking lights and the and the headlamps and the crew vehicles. Yeah, I've ne- never seen anything like it, dude. <laughs> and what was the first mile like? <laughs> well, okay, this is, let me preface this with, I'm not talking to you today without my team. And, and we'll get to that. I'm literally not talking to you because I DNF at mile 50 without my crew. <laughs> but we had wow. some growing pains to go with. So when we started, I didn't even have a handheld with me. So I ran, I ran the first, what? first yeah, what? yeah it, it's confusing start. There's a lot of stuff going on. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of the, I'm one of the former military veterans. They asked to hold the flag while they played the national anthem. Uh, and it's kind of chaos, with a lot of cameras, a lot of media and boom, you start. And, uh, and my team didn't get a chance to give me my handheld. So I'm starting bad water with, with no fluids, <laughs> not a great start. I'm not going to start my local 50k without a handheld. Dude, you know me. I can't do the 5k gobble wobble without my electro ride. Exactly. So, so, yeah, we start, and I and I got. Are you nervous? Are you nervous? Uh, Like, no, man. What's going on? I'm stoked. Like, I'm. You know, this is this is as fit and as well trained as as I've, I've I've ever been. So that part I wasn't nervous about. 
you are intimidated by the sheer space. I mean, Death Valley is so, in on one hand, Rob, just absolutely beautiful and breathtaking, and on the other hand, it is it's trying to kill you. And you know, it's a full moon, and you're in one of the most iconic races, you know, in the history of our sport. And so, yeah, there are definitely nerves there, but I was actually relieved to get running like I, I couldn't wait to get running um, that would change that, that feeling would change later on but yeah when we start I'm, I'm ready to go so how, how many miles do you go before you get a handheld finally uh you know they they, they got me in a couple they, I think they got me just over a mile they, you okay. know they, not they, too they, bad they, my, okay. my, my, my and let me let me start right now Scott Waldrop my my beautiful uh, girl Ray Nypaver uh, Carrie Petura and, and Chaz Fall Harbor, uh, they are the heroes. Be, in, and you as a runner have experienced this, but I, I can't go any further into this narrative without sharing. There is no race experience I've ever had, Rob, that puts the demands on a crew like the Badwater 135. There, there's nothing that even remotely approached the physical, emotional, and spiritual demands on a crew like Badwater. And, you know, Candace Burton and I talked about this because she was crewing for, for Katra. Unbelievable. Yeah. So they missed the handheld in the beginning, but they made up for it in spades because they saved my race, you know, 50 miles down the road. So it, you're totally dependent on them because there's no aid stations. It's. Yeah. It, yeah. There's, there, there's six checkpoints between the beginning and the end. And those checkpoints are just time checkpoints. Uh, you know, there's not a, a traditional fixed aid station. You have a rolling team in a van that is literally responsible, not in a figurative or sense of invoking hyperbole. Literally, they're responsible for your survival. And oh, by the way, once you get past stovepipe wells at mile 42, you don't even have cell phone recovery, cell phone coverage for the next 80 miles. You you are you are on your own, man. Yeah, and there's no room for air. They're like your umbilical cord. You're... That's it. Yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, so it's crazy. So walk me through what what happens for the uh, first few miles. Uh, you know, you know, because and I also want to just talk about the field that's there, and I'm going to kind of sprinkle that in because that was one of the most exciting things was to be in a race that was also you know was represented by 21 countries and had some of the most elite uh, foreign runners uh, racing today there. Uh, but for me, you know, there's really kind of there's really kind of three segments, Rob, uh, from mile zero at Badwater Basin to stovepipe wells at 42. Uh, things are looking sweet. Ran hard, ran fast, was in def, you know, up in the top 10, um, throwing it down, feeling good. Uh, but in retrospect, you know, when we do an autopsy of the shit show that occurred from stovepipe up to the top of town pass. Um, I, I was making some mistakes. Uh, and again, it's looking back now, having even more respect for the difficulty of that course. First 42 miles solid, you know, coming in and, and, you know, 642, 640s, um, you know, six hours and 40 something minutes through 42 at stovepipe wells. Um, things were looking pretty good at that point. I, I I think that was one of the first updates I saw, and I was 
again because it was staged those multi like those those different groups that were uh, starting it was still hard to kind of compare um right but yeah e- I, I did see so you were doing well yeah 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 that would yeah. suck trying and to for, race for me yeah oh sorry go ahead no i i just i can't imagine passing people and not knowing really where you stand really i mean you'd have oh, to ask dude. your crew maybe <laughs> yeah and and they don't know either because it's what they they tried to do live gps tracking but because even satellite triangulation out there is so Price. hard you can't yeah you, it's it's tra- you can't do it this isn't it's not western man it's just it is it's a really remote space and so yeah i mean and and for, even for me the stress of knowing you know the guy that i'm racing for the cup dan McHugh, who's got 42 minutes of time on me after after Badwater Cape Fear and Badwater Salt and Sea, he's the way behind me. So that's confusing. you know I, I don't know where he is. And you're right. You you know how'd they pick the waves? Well, I mean it's generally based on time, but it's not an exact science. I mean, they try to make it you know the faster uh, the athlete uh, based on your you know your your standings in ultra sign up and etra and and that you know they try to do it that way, but it's a hundred hand-picked people. So it's not like they can just line it up numerically and, and have it clean cut. So, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of fit, you kind of know who you're racing against, but then, you know, there, there were people in my, in my way that ended up in the top 10. I mean, there's so much that goes on over 135 miles that it's certainly not an algorithm. It's definitely not calculus. So what, what um, did you mess up? They all of a sudden struck you down at right around mile 42. Was it hydration? Greatest question. Great, great question you're going to ask tonight, dude. Yeah. No, it was, it was all on me because my infrastructure, the team around me that had worked on nutrition and training set me up for total success. The, un, you know, solving for X is, hey, dude, you're running the longest race of your life uh, in the hard, in the harshest conditions how are you going to physiologically and psychologically respond to those demands? And, and what I did was I made a very rookie mistake in that I added a flavor of electrolyte, um, that supplemented what I normally used that I had not trained with. And I think maybe even more poignantly was I, and rather than, you know, just sipping, in consuming the 40 to 50 fluid ounces that I needed per hour, um, I was, I was gulping. I was, I was consuming too quickly and then not having tactical patience. So I got through snowpipe wells at, at 42 and I'd lost, I'd lost the, the concept of this is a 135 mile race. And I was racing this other guy, uh, and he and I were going back and forth. And when I got to Snowpipe Wells, I should have stopped Rob and, and taken time to, to take care of myself and allow the crew to take care of myself. And I pounded a bunch of calories. You rushed it. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I was in and out of there in like a minute, two minutes. Uh, it, was, it was ridiculous. Uh, and within two miles, my race turned 180 degrees. And I assume throw it starts with throwing up, maybe or, or... Yeah, you got it, sister. I mean, yeah. you got you got it. You know, you know how this you know how this goes. I mean, 
I had never vomited, Rob, in in any ultra in my life. And I felt it coming for two miles. And, and I, I am foolishly, you know, just trading places with this guy like we're running a 5K. So your and hydration just, was shot, and then you're pushing the pace, and then yeah. all yep. your blood flow is not going to your stomach for digestion. Dude, you hit it. Yeah, you, you, that makes it, sense. It's, it, that's it. Classic. So, uh, you know, so the nausea starts to kick in, and about mile 44, and may, really about mile 43, I start vomiting heavily and severely and you know you've been around me you know i'm not prone to exaggeration or hyperbole it was it was not good um and i it lasted for probably 10 to 15 minutes uh in in you know to put it in context for our listeners and our friends out there uh, you, you know, there are, there's, you know, very strictly monitored weigh-ins throughout this course. By the time I was medically brought back to the race ER doctor in 50 miles, I had lost nine pounds. That's a lot. And, it's more than, more than I had anticipated. You're my height, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I, I vomited and then my blood pressure dropped precipitously. Uh, and she had a sheer stubbornness being, you know, the, 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 the new England dude that I am, you know, I sucked it up for, uh, you know, another seven miles. Uh, at this point you, you're doing a 5,000 foot gain over 18 miles up to town pass. So you're, you're starting all the climbing at this point and, uh, and, and things were grim. It was not good. It was not good, dude. And, uh, you know, having not suffered from those kind of physiological, uh, responses before I'm sure they were, you know, and all, all of a sudden for the first time I got two or three guys, you know, passing me <laughs> and, you know, gra- granted one of them's, uh, Yoshihiko Ishikawa who went on to set, you know, the course <laughs> record. Yeah. Um, but still psychologically when you, you're, you're shooting to be a top 10 guy, that starts Destroy, really eating yeah. away at you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I made it to, I made it to mile 50 before my crew chief said, dude, we need to have a talk. So what, what, how'd that talk go? Was it time to reset? Yeah. Somehow I mean, like you got to get your hydration down first. It, it, it was me thinking I couldn't do it. You know, I, 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 I didn't know. I'd never, I've DNF'd two races in my career but those were almost kind of self-evident it was physically i'd been hurt going into the races i shouldn't have never i should never have told the line and it was fait complete before i started this was the first time where i thought i was really well prepared really ready to go and had a great start to the race and all of a sudden i doubted i doubted at my core whether or not i could complete this race And so what'd you guys do? We sat in the van and I said, I don't, I can't do it, man. I said, I, I'm, I'm, I, I can't do it. I'm so sick. Uh, and, uh, I, I was so dizzy and I couldn't keep my eyes open. And, you know, these things, these are the things you, you think you, you script or you make up, but 
before I'd gone out to this race, my brother, who lives in Lakewood, had taken the time to get this kind of industrial uh, spray bottle, the kind of spray bottles you see in every crew at Badwater. Uh, and he had collected pictures of my kids and my nieces and my nephews and my mom and my dad. And they, they put this collage of pictures on this spray bottle. And, I, you know, I remember it just slumped in the front seat of the van. Uh, and he was showing me pictures of my daughter. And he said, you, you've, you've got to do it, man. Um, but they were also watching me. And, and they could see that it was it was not going well uh, physically. They know they know that, you know, I pride myself in being a tough guy. I mean, hell, hell, I'm not the most talented dude out there racing. I get to where I'm at because because I, I'm willing to fight. Um, so there's a, there's something that you have in Badwater called staking out where you have a stake. And if you need medical attention, keep in mind, we had no comp. You know, there was no way to communicate at mile 50, which is at about the 2000 foot elevation point on the climb up town pass. So 17 state goes in. It's going to be verified by a race official. Uh, and they they see I'm I'm fading and they start taking me back to the emergency doc, the race director, who's uh, uh, the, the chief physician at the University of, of Mexico, uh, New Mexico. Um, University. So on the way back, I, uh, I completely lose consciousness and they, they stop, they stop the vehicle, uh, and, uh, a crew, a guy who ends he's, he's a, a guy named Bruce Adams from New Zealand, uh, runs up to the vehicle and, uh, you know, these are things I'm unaware of Rob that are going on, but they dump a bag of ice on my chest. I guess I'm slumping out of the chair. Uh, Scott Waldrop stops the vehicle in the middle of the road to ask for help. They revive me with a, with a bag of ice uh, and then get me back to stovepipe wells to uh, to where the, the, the closest medical facility is. That's scary, man. I had no idea it, it at was, all. It was a little gnarly. It was a little gnarly, I mean, for I was sure, yeah. I thinking if your hydration's gone, like – your core temperature had to spiral because there's no way to cool yourself. And yeah, oh. yeah, there was there was a lot of a lot of stuff that that wasn't ideal for sure. And so, where do you come to? I kind of woke up, and, and this, I laugh because I met Bruce now, you know, twice after that event. But as it was occurring, uh, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, and Ray got to meet him, and. Uh, and it's just an amazing, amazing friendship that came out of this. I don't remember anything other than I hear this voice and it's coming out of off my right side, which I was in the passenger seat. So it makes sense. But it's a voice and it sounds like fucking Bruce the shark from Finding Nemo. The he's, he, he's a Kiwi, but it sounds like an Australian <laughs> accent. And I hear him say, get ice on him. And, uh, and, and that is all I remembered until the award ceremony on Wednesday night, I'm in line at the pizza party and he's standing behind me and he said, mate, I can't believe you're alive. <laughs> I turn around. It was Bruce Adams from, uh, uh, from New Zealand. Yeah. No uh, kidding. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. No kidding. Incredible. 
I mean, were you hallucinating prior uh, to no, going no, out? It wasn't, no, no, it was definitely not. It was definitely just kind of just being out of it, being super nauseous, uh, really dizzy. Uh, stuff that I'm sure happens to tons of folks, um, you know, not just not in ideal conditions on a course, but the the rapid drop in blood pressure, I think, was the may have been the catalyst to physiologically what came next. I mean, it was hot, but it wasn't as hot as it has been in, in previous races there. Um, so who knows? I'm, I'm a complete layman. I have no, you know, no real true medical training. Um what was... oh, I, I just kind—I of, kind of remember just being kind of coming in and out of focus uh, during that time period. It's—it's it's almost like how David Clark describes in his book. He—he's uh, had some interesting experiences too. Um, yeah, yeah. That course. That how course was how was Ray it. handling this? Was she? I mean, a rock, a rock. Really? Because I would be yeah, emotional. It... Like, if if you know, my my wife was. Uh, unconscious and they had the bring yeah, her so back she, with a bag of ice so, i would i would be so, a wreck i would so at this point ray yeah. ray's not there okay which, this, that's good this is where yes. she comes in yeah so she had the first downshift uh she got to sleep you know that first night but we these are all things that are going on um in kind of conjunction rob behind the scenes while I'm out of it. So they get me, they get me back to stovepipe wells. They get me in a, in a bed. They start taking my vitals. They give me ORS. They're, you know, giving me, they're doing all the things they need to do to allow me to continue without disqualifying me. So they set conditions for you to get back into the fight. Wow. At this point though, I, I think I'm personally done, but I think I'm cooked. Uh, Scott now has cell phone coverage. He Scott is the crew chief, so he is calling Ray back at Furnace Creek, and he goes out and he gets who of all people who happened to be there at that site was Chris Costman, the race director, and he gets them both. Uh, and this is what I'm gonna t- this is what I'm gonna share. This is the the most important thing that happened uh, during the entire race. Costman comes in and sits down next to me. And, uh, you know, he'll probably be upset for me using some salty sea language. Uh, and he says, don't be a pussy. You've been in the army for over 20 years. This isn't the hardest thing you've done. Uh, and he talked about the previous woman's, you know, champion, uh, Allison Venti, who set the course record in 2016. He said, she threw up 20 times. You are one of the best runners in this business you need to get back out there and that got my attention and almost as if scott had orchestrated this entire thing ray gets on the phone with me and she gives me the positive reinforcement in conjunction with chris calling me out and uh there are pictures uh that were taken during this time that that i'm gonna you know kind of release over time where i think you see the story written on my face but that rob is when i said i have now lost so many places this race is not going the way that i want it i still have 85 miles to go but god damn it i'm gonna get out there and i'm gonna try to do this thing your back's your back's fixed you don't have a broken back anymore you can still run i can't believe you you actually 
picked yourself up and got back out. So I assume everyone piles in the car and, and there's probably some excitement getting back out there and yeah, yeah. There's some, some of coming that coming back from the dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's literally what I said to Chris later on is I'm back from the dead. You know, I was out of the fight. I was out for two hours. So I'm coming back from making no progress in two hours. We get back to mile 50.1, wherever it was exactly. We staked out and, uh, and then I start 10 more miles of climbing up town pass. Wow. Um, and, and mentally, I mean, it had to just be, what time of day was it when you started oh, up right, again? Right in the, starting the heat of the day, literally the worst possible time. Perfect. The worst, po- yeah. the, exactly. Like, like who, who want, who, who would script it otherwise? So yeah, so we, we get, we get going. Uh, um, and, you know, Rob, that next 10 miles are, are awful. You know, I gain some spaces, I lose some spaces. We're trying to figure out how to get me fixed. You know, I'm up, you know, I'm up one minute down the next, uh, but the, the tipping point. So I, I kind of broke the race out into three sections through stovepipe wells at 42 easy peasy, you know, everything's easy early. You've done long races, you know, it, it everything's working out from stovepipe wells to the top of town pass the fucking star Wars bar scene, everything that could go wrong <laughs> goes wrong, uh, at town pass. Um, and tomorrow I'm going to post a picture on Instagram and Facebook, a, a picture that was taken, uh, of Ray and me. And it's, it's the point in, in the 15 round heavyweight championship where you have to decide, are you going to fight? Or are you going to fold? Uh, and from the top of town pass, Rob, at, at mile 60 to mile 135, uh, I ran it in a way that I hope my friends and family and, and folks that follow me would be proud because I wasn't passed by a single person uh, for the next um, 75 miles. Wow. So you truly did come back from the dead. What, it, it, were it, you it, eating food somehow? And like what, yeah, what changed? Not, not 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 nearly enough you know uh that was an area that they were concerned although i was i was taking on uh fluids uh you know in a way that uh we were pretty comfortable with um and yeah i mean it 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 started with it started with the descent off a town pass down to the valley before panamint uh panamint springs uh and that uh, i i I consider myself a better downhiller than a climber and it gave me the confidence like, okay, I can do this because up until that very summit at mile 60, Rob, I wasn't sure I could do it. Yeah. No kidding, man. Um, so no, no hallucinations at all through once you got that leg turnover going and your systems yep. reset, there was yeah, no didn't come to the second night that didn't come the okay. second night. And it's, it is not like, man, you know, cause I hats off to obviously my girl, Courtney DeWalter like, and, <laughs> and her, and her leopard and a hammock, you know, there, there was nothing like what you guys doing, you know, the 200 mile distance. It did, it did get tough, uh, from a sleep deprivation component the second, the second night for sure. Cause I did, I finished, uh, basically dawn 
on uh, uh, at sunrise on on Wednesday morning. So that second night, you know, you did, you know, had to go through the it's the hardest, you know, slapping yourself in the face, taking on lots of caffeine, uh, listening to, you know, listening to angry, uh, you know, Norwegian uh, death metal at <laughs> high levels kind of stuff for sure. But I don't I don't I don't compare it to, you know, the, the stuff that you guys experience on the 200 mile distance. The only reason I ask is because I, I had Dean Carnassus on and I was like, you know, in your book where you see the the gold panner come up to you asking for water. Like, <laughs> do you think that was a hallucination or was it a ghost? And like, he's like, I'd never thought about it as a ghost, um, but it could have been. Um, well, so, Dean, Dean's, Dean's a legend on that course. So a, I deferred, I defer to him. All right. Um, and so was your crew updating you? You said there's no cell coverage. I mean, did you know where you were relative to, uh, your placement in the Badwater Ultra Cup? Like, did you see your okay. competition? <laughs> I love, I love that you say this because we talk, we like, we talk about, it. we surround ourselves by the people that we need, the people that love us and, and lift us up. Uh, and Ray knew what she knew what she needed to say on the cell phone to me uh, to get me out of that medical facility. And what had happened is Dan McHugh, who's a, a great runner. Uh, I, I beat Dan at the Badwater Cape Fear 51.4 miler in, uh, in March. I beat him. I, I was 16 minutes up on him. Uh, his team beat me by about an hour. Um, at Badwater Salton Sea, 81 miles. So he had about 42 minutes up on me. Um, and Ray knew, you know, that my A goal going into this was knowing how, you know, we'll talk about it, the studs and studettes that towed the line this year at Badwater. Like, my A goal was to win the cup. Uh, if I could get into the top 10 in this field, I would have been happy. But when I was circling the drain, Ray said, Dan dropped at mile 22. And I said, son of a bitch, God, <laughs> worst thing you could tell me, because now I got to get up there right now. I now I have to go out like the, the guy that was ahead of me is now out. I, I just have to finish. Just finish. Wow. Right. So because I had I had a six plus hour lead over third place. I literally just need to go finish. Son of a gun. Now it's on. I mean, she knows you. <laughs> she knows you she well. Does, thank God. Thank and, and for the listeners' background, Ray is the identical twin to Sandy. Uh, I would say more fraternal, but yeah, Fratern Sandy okay. and I favor is an older twin. Yeah. Okay. So Sage, yes, Sage twin. is a girlfriend Sage's partner. Partner. Yeah. yeah. Sage, Sage's partner. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a family business of uh, four, and I am the least talented of all of us. I just don't want people to be confused when they see that Instagram photo that you put up there. <laughs> no, um, no, that's that's cool. my that's my girl Rachel. So when you hit the hundred mile mark, um, does it go through your head that this is, you know, well you you've run on a treadmill. I want to say further than that. Um, I'd run one hundred and twenty one point three miles in one in one go that was my record um but i love i was i was feeling good at 100 when i when i hit when i hit 90 at darwin um uh, brother you'd been you'd have been pleased i was getting after it nice i mean what what other like memorable moments do you have for those last 35 miles it's not an easy finish it's the worst 
is the worst. And 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 Scott Jurek had had warned me about this. The yeah, most of us, you know, generally the are you we you know, kind of base ourselves off of the hundred mile distance, right? Even though you know that you're doing the two hundreds, most of us are conditioned to a hundred miles, and so you're always you know, every single step beyond a hundred is a new frontier. And every step beyond that is you battling some, some demons. The problem is that space is so wide open, Rob, that at a hundred miles, you're looking at Mount Whitney, which is the tallest peak in the contiguous United States, 14,500 feet. It's still far away. (laughs) You're still seeing it brother. And it's Uh. 35 flipping miles away. I know it's that 35 feeling well. Miles away. <laughs> yeah. It's like looking at the LaSalle's all day. Like, oh. Uh, right, right. Out, out in Utah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So mentally, it's hard. It's, it's, and it, for me, it was at night, dude. It was such a grind. And uh, at this point, you know, it, it's carnage. It's carnage. You, you've got, you've got some of the most elite long distance 24 hour runners in the world throwing down new course records. But you've got, you know, one of my best friends and one of my idols, Pete Kostelnik, you know, who had the course record, two-time champion. He's he's laid up in, with his team at, at mile 105. Really? I mean, there's craziness going on. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pete, what a what an animal! What he's, what a he's what an, an awesome dude, awesome runner. I almost he's knocked him. I almost knocked ever. him over at uh, Palmer Death Race when he was winning oh, uh, yeah. in 18. Yeah. yeah. Cause it, yeah, we, we, I, we were out there the same year. I had my hood up because it was so cold. And, right. uh, yeah, he came blazing by, and I oh, I literally almost just clipped him, which would have been I, – I still think of that moment. I would have been probably excommunicated from ultra running. <laughs> well, dude, this, this is why and, – and Candace and I talked about this. This is what makes Badwater so special is the margin between setting a course record simply finishing and dnfing is infinitesimal literally on the mount rushmore of badwater pete is on there right yeah and there he is at 105 completely deadlined with his team in a van now this guy rallies and comes back and finishes it and ends up with the fastest time from lone pine uh to whitney portal ever because uh, Pete is literally one wow. of my idols, but that's that's what's going on on that course. That's how hard people are pushing. I mean, when you cross, you know, 100, 105, you're seeing Lone Pine in the distance, and it never gets closer. <laughs> it just never gets closer. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because it was it, that suffering is delicious. So, did you have a pacer? Like when, when do you pick up a pacer at Badwater? How's that even? I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't used one and, okay. Okay. you know, I, I had, I had not, you know, my, my pal Darcy PQ and I have talked about this. I generally hadn't intended to use one in that awful time period from mile 50 to 60, Scott and Ray stepped in, um, and, and Ray ended up doing probably 20, miles with me good for um, her that's crazy yeah, enough yeah it, 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 yeah i mean and she was with me every step of that way from the climb that you know you as you it, when you go back and you watch that movie you know uh, jeremy hendrix i want to give yeah. him a shout out um 
you know, got me to take pause and watch that movie running on the sun. And at the end, that guy said, one of them is like, that's got to be the hardest finish to any race in the world. It's a 13 mile straight up climb. I think it probably, I think it is. I honestly, I think it is. (laughs) It was like that last, that last half is 9% grade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so like Ray was with me every step of the way on that climb. But, you know, there were areas where I was really, I felt really good that I was throwing down, you know, after a hundred miles, some of the, some of the splits I had on those miles, Rob, I was, I was pretty pleased with, and I was doing those on my own. Like I, you know, they, they let me loose. Uh, and when I could get after it, because there were people I was trying to put distance ahead of, I, I was able to do it. Uh, but when it, when the rubber met the road, uh, my team was there every step of the way and, and sweet Ray, she got me up that climb because that is an awful way to finish a race. Did, did you step off the lines enough? Did you have any kind of shoe melting moment or did your crew no. do the classic crack and egg? Oh, so, any so kind my of weird friend, heat friend, stuff that you friend, saw? My, my friend Ann Wheatley, who I want to give a shout out to because she, she's amazing. Uh, and she'll be, she'll be racing Badwater next year. Uh, she was, she was crewing Dan McHugh who ended up, ended up dropping. Dan was my biggest competition for the cup. She did the, the proverbial, uh, frying egg at Fortis Creek thing. Yeah. And it just turned black. Whoa. It burned. <laughs> it, just, it just, it just turned black. Yeah. This is no joke. That place is hot. <laughs> um, so where are you mentally when you hit, I don't know, two miles out, did you have the classic adrenaline rush or were you spent? In just smiling, oh, or how? Dude, how was such it? Such a good question. Tell me about the finish awful, line too, with the flag. Awful up until you know. Really, I mean, we were making good time, and I, and I think if people want to go back and and they're you know, uh, and they want to look at the analytics, we had one of the fastest climbs uh, uh, up up that uh, up that thirteen mile descent. Although most of it, I was I was a whiny. A little bitch. I mean, it was, it was not good. I, I mean, I was, I was beat up. I'm 48, uh, and it definitely was taking its toll on me. But what, what I'm not going to ever forget, Rob, is we were literally hitting that climb as the sun was coming up, sure. and the last time checkpoint you have is at 3.6 miles out, and then that son of a gun goes up to like a 10% grade. Um, I, but at that point I, I was going, I was inspired. I felt very, very strong. Uh, we, we passed four other athletes in the last four miles. Uh, and the beauty of this course far more than any just ridiculous number or placement or time that in history, no one cares about, no one remembers is I got to finish the race with Mossy Smith, who's also a fellow veteran, uh, Naval Academy grad, Marine officer. Uh, he and I were holding the flag together at Badwater Basin 135 miles earlier while they played the national anthem. Uh, and he and I carried Old Glory together across the finish line in, uh, in 32 hours, 14 minutes, and 56 seconds. That's awesome, man. Congrats. Right. We'll never, Congrats. I will never forget it. <laughs> Thanks, brother. 
I'll I, never forget it. I don't think I'll ever look at a uh, Badwater buckle and think to myself, I wonder what their finish time was. Because, <laughs> like you said, I mean, it's it's just such a epic race. Like, just finishing that regardless is unbelievable. And it's amazing that you came back from that. Because I know I, I've been in places not even close to similar, but... I've been in lows and pulling yourself out is hard enough, but the physical toll, that's just unbelievable that you were able to do that. Um, well, th- thanks, man, because, and, and let me, and allow me, Rob, first to preface it with, this is what I love about our sport, and this is what I love about what we're building in the Boulder area with, with Matt and Hayden and I and, and, uh, and, and Addie and we're, you know, we got, uh, I, I don't want to spoil too much from our, our girl, Amanda Basham is coming in town. You know, we got some other baller, uh, guys and gals. Um, it doesn't matter if you're considering an elite runner, mid pack, back of the pack, finishing bad water, you know, the challenge of champions. I, I was three hours slower than what I thought I would was going to hit going into it i wouldn't trade that 16th place finish rob for a single podium or win that i've ever had and that's not that i i can't say that any more genuinely uh and just let me allow me to um reflect uh uh genuflect if you will on on two extraordinary people that came out of this year's race uh yoshihiko Ishikawa from Japan set the new course record in 21 hours, 33 minutes, and one second, beating Pete Kostelnik's uh, 21, 56, 32 in 2016. Uh, he beat it by 24 minutes. Uh, and if anyone wants to know, do fast people run uh, Badwater? Uh, Yoshihiko won the 2018 Spartathlon and was the 2017 uh, world 24-hour champion uh, at Belfast. Uh, Patricia Beresnowska uh, from Poland was a woman's champion, finishing in 24-13-24, beating Allison Venti's previous record by 90 minutes. That's crushed. You, you've got you've got ballers, and you know because you know our sport, Rob. Harvey Lewis, Steve Slaby, Gina Slaby, well. yeah. yeah, Tetsu Kiso. Anna Weiss, Pete Kostelnik, Panich, you know, Pamela Chapman, Markle, and Susie Swinehart. I mean, it was the challenge of champions, and I am so honored have to be just a small, a small part of that, dude. I mean, I I've thought about my Moab experience personally. It comes nowhere near probably coming back from almost dying, basically. Um, but I did come up with a conclusion that there's no finish like the one you questioned and i feel like yes when you staked out for two hours um and they were dumping ice on you to uh bring you back i mean when you go unconscious that's uh that's probably a race you questioned so it's just unbelievable i mean i gotta ask you one or two other quick questions and i appreciate all your time but what mental tactics have you learned through 24 years of of army special ops you know you've you've you know brought like rose through the ranks there and yeah um definitely did some special things for the country there and 
have you picked up on any mental aspects of, of being able to excel at that, um, that you then are applying to ultra running? Yeah. I pre, right, I so, pre-wrote that question clearly. <laughs> well, I, I was an average student of average athletic capability. I never had anything handed to me. If anything, I had a chip on my shoulder from the time I was a teenager uh, because I, I wasn't a, a McDonald's All-American, because I wasn't a blue chip recruit, uh, because I grew up in a family of blue collar workers who done good and made it in America. Uh, I, I'm a fighter, Rob. I've always been a fighter. You may have a better VO2 max. You may have a better metabolic efficiency uh, capacity than me. Uh, you may have better, you know, well, I don't think anyone has better sponsors than me, but you have may, you may have better opportunities. I'm going to fight. I'm going to punch you in the mouth. It's as hard as I can and as often as I can to get to where I want to be. Uh, if there's anything I appreciate, it's excellence. It's excellence in this sport. Uh, I've learned don't be a poser. Be yourself. It doesn't matter where you line up in the hierarchy of this sport. You can't truly love and appreciate the sport until you're comfortable with where you are and you're comfortable with achieving your own individual best. Because when you toe the line, unless you're one of literally a handful of the very top men and women in our sport, if you don't appreciate that there's somebody probably faster and stronger than you on that line, you'll never achieve greatness. Because you are always going to be chasing some shadow of the past or some false image you've created of yourself. What I learned in the Army, Rob, was my capacity for achievement came from an honest self-assessment of who I am and where I was and then putting in the work to get to where I wanted to be. That's great advice. I love it. Well, look, man, you know, without beating a dead horse, it's it's because of this community we're in, you know, and you got to see it at Western with, with what Maddie did. Uh, our crew is, is just getting started and I'm inspired. You know, whatever I did uh, at Badwater, I can promise you dozens others have have done more and and, and overcome harder challenges uh and I, I tip my hat we're standing on the shoulders of giants uh and, and i would true. say this to my my brothers and sisters in this sport if you really want to test yourself put your name in you know put your name in the hat for bad water get out there and like like jerry told me it will be an experience that will change you and it is literally one of the greatest races on the planet that's awesome so what's next? How's recovery going? I saw you walk walk into yeah. Boulder Running Company today just Living on a whim, in. too. That wasn't planned. That was crazy. Oh, man, uh, I love it. I love um, it. It was great seeing you. Uh, well, I mean, I've got a, I've, I've got a little local race uh, in, in Leadville next month. A little higher altitude. Yeah, yeah. Nothing like, uh, <laughs> nothing like doing a race over 10,000 feet for 100 miles now. How are you feeling mentally? Because that's, I mean, uh, good. this is a quick turnaround on 
the body, yeah. especially with what transpired around mile 50 there. Um, yes, sir. Well, part of it, part of it is, is putting your hubris in check, right? Like I, when I set out to do that, you know, this year to attempt to double Badwater and Leadville, um, yeah, I went into it knowing that I wasn't going to race either one as fast as I would like, uh, you know, in an individual capacity. Yeah. Uh, and I don't care who you are. I think you're being disingenuous if you say, well, I'm just out here for the experience and, you know, I want the buckle. Ah, man, I don't know. I don't I don't buy that for a dollar. Obviously, I've got a healthy ego like everyone else who shows up out there. Where I'm at right now is if when I had this conversation on Wednesday night at the award ceremony at Badwater, Rob, this is this is why I love sharing this with family. Yeah, I told my girlfriend and my crew chief, I'm like, I'm deferring. There's no way I'm doing Leadville in 30 days. It's ridiculous. Uh, and now a couple of days later, uh, you know, I'm going to go give it a shot. We'll, were, we'll see how it shakes out. You were smiling today, so that's, that's yeah, a good a sign. That's, <laughs> oh, you, I got to see you, man. Make can, me, it made me happy to see you. <laughs> it was good meeting your mom, too. That's cool. What a good dude oh, you mom, are, like hanging out with awesome, mom. Yeah. And, um, that's, ah, dude, I, I've, got, I've, got, I've got more flaws than, than most folks, but I like to think that every day I'm, I'm trying to be a little better man. Yeah. No one, no one's perfect. If you think someone's right. perfect, they're just really good at hiding stuff. Uh, they're a good um, bullshitter. So, but honestly, and you know this well, Matt Daniels at the end of states, you saw what he went through, and he oh, like he's sitting there. What was it? Thirty minutes after the race, and he's like, "I can't wait to get back here next year." That's and my, my boy. My mind was totally blown. Like yeah. that never happens. No one ever says that after no, their first hundred. I remember on the podcast and I, on episode ninety six. Yeah, we talked about that. Matt, you know, Matt is an anomaly. That... Well, my my favorite thing that's come out of Western, <laughs> Scott was just one of many. Like everyone knows how good Matt is in what he's capable of doing. It still cracks me up every time people come up to me like, "Did Matt drop you?" <laughs> no, I managed to hang on, man. I'm not. I'm not. I don't suck totally as a facer, but yeah, like I think everyone is. We're waiting. What Matt did in, in, in 2019 is prologue. Uh, yeah, totally. and what we're building in Boulder is so exciting. And you were there. I mean, God, Matt, what, what a, what an animal. I just, it's nice and refreshing to hear that after you finish Badwater. You you had second thoughts on Leadville because that makes it like <laughs> yeah. relatable, because right. well, because if you <laughs> finish yeah yeah exactly, um, so do you do you wear your buckles, or do you just throw okay, them in a so shoebox? This, this, this is here's your breaking news. It's not nearly as juicy as Hayden's uh, <laughs> proclamation on on episode ninety six. I have never worn a buckle, ever. Uh, all my awards are in a. Um, kind of like a Tupperware box underneath yeah. our, our television cabinet. I think I'm actually going to put, and not, I don't think, Badwater is the first buckle I'll ever put on a belt. And I'm actually nice. really proud of doing that. See, I, I have a thing where I'll wear them on Monday. Like if the race nice. is on the weekend, I'll wear it. Metal Monday. One day and then right. never again. Like honestly, I 
didn't I totally forgot I had some of these. I just pulled them and, all and, out. And, and let me and let me share it. Like, hey man, that's my routine. If if you're if you're out there wearing your stuff, good on you. Like I'm 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 not looking I'm not looking down at people where I'm not being no, judgmental. No. I'm you it's know, cool. I we, am we, I am innately the with the Napoleonic model of leadership is you get four qualities. You're either clever or stupid, industrious or lazy. I am the perfect model for leaders. How I ended up retiring as a lieutenant colonel. I am clever and lazy. My laziness has precluded me from ever putting a buckle on a belt, Rob. You didn't buy the belt. I didn't want to show thing. off, but because I'm a lazy son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm going to ask uh, one of my good friends who's a Texan who's got much more hands-on skill with this stuff. I'm like, dude, I need you to put this belt buckle on. So, yeah, man, I'm going I'm to rock that son of a gun. So last question. What are you yes, doing sir. for recovery? How are your feet? Feet are notoriously destroyed when you put them yeah. in shoes and you heat the pavement to 200 degrees like yes sir um how are your feet how are you doing recovery to get ready for leadville <laughs> okay so let me the, 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 the short answer to this is i got a i got a couple of toes that are on life support right now <laughs> while we were gone uh oh, ray's amazing twin sandy and i favor was house sitting for us taking care of our aussie shepherd pacer and our two kitties our our apartment flooded pacer got sick uh, oh, lots of stuff was going on while we were, we were away. We get back. Our landlord came down, uh, yesterday to talk with us. And, uh, this is how out of it I am. I'm sitting on our couch. I got my feet in, in my super feet recovery slides <laughs> propped up on the coffee table. She's trying to talk to us about construction schedules and such. And my, my second right toe is bleeding pus and, and and hemoglobin all and i'm not even paying attention to it they're looking at me like it's a, a, a it's like some uh you know the, it, it, like watching the thing they're like what is wrong with you man it has a heartbeat you are, like... yeah you're like john carpenter film you're a fucking creature so that's that's going on where's hayden I, when you need him where's hayden and Wipeout when i need a little levity <laughs> So, yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually orthopedically and soft tissue wise, I'm okay, dude. It's Good. like, yeah. I, I go from, I go from being, uh, I go from being John Travolta, uh, and Saturday Night Fever one minute and then Wilford Brimley and Cocoon the next minute. It's, it's like, I, like, I lose complete energy levels and I need to eat, eat like a pig. So, I mean, if, if I can get equilibrium there in a couple of days, I'll, I'll be pretty stoked. But regardless, August 17th, I'm towing the line in Leadville. That's awesome. I, I hope to see you up there. We'll see how that all times out with Bigfoot and everything. I, I really yeah, want to make it up there. Um, yes. Just just to, you know, talk shit when I see you. You know how yeah, I am. Yeah, of course, brother. Family. Um, hey, when you get up to Bigfoot, give uh, give Mike McKnight from Ultra Big Ol' Hug from me and, and give uh, Candace a hug from me, okay? I, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll try to um, actually have McKnight on before the triple since he seems to be okay at those. Uh, he's, he's, he's he's pretty good. He's fired up love this year that dude. too. <laughs> um, I love that dude. Yeah, man. You guys, you guys got a great series coming up. Yeah, I'm excited. But where can people follow you on social media so they can see that photo you were talking about and yeah, follow your yeah. your journey to Leadville here? Yes, sir. Uh, at Tumbleweed Ultra uh, on Instagram, 
And then on Facebook, it's Joshua Stevens, uh, Ombre Lobo, the, the werewolf. Uh, they can find me there. And uh, again, much love to you, Rob. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm eternally grateful for, for our friendship and, and for Matt Hayden and I bringing you in into the inner circle and, and you an being honor. such a, yeah. such a cool dude. Um, and thanks. Thanks for putting out the, uh, the Hayden cam. All right. Cause there's going to oh, be God. much more of that to come. <laughs> I'm glad you saw that. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, I'm still Matt, checking my Matt email Bob. for the, the invite, but, uh, I, I guess I'll really have to throw down at the triple to get an invite. So you, you got, you, you, you got, you got, we got, we all earn our keep, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, have a good night. Thanks for joining me. It was a pleasure having you on and we'll stay in touch. Obviously you'll Much. have some more exciting stories to share. So congrats Much on your bad water finish. Thank, your ultra cup win you, or your bad water ultra cup. Is that what it was? Yeah. Congrats, bad water man. ultra cup champion, man. Who knew? Congrats. Have a good night. Thanks Rob. Thanks again to Josh Stevens for taking his time. What an inspirational dude. Just unbelievable, his story, what he's overcome, and what a Badwater 135 he had. So big thank you to him for taking all that time and sharing his story with us. Thanks again to Crystal Seavers for taking time this morning and and sharing kind of how her long runs are going into the Squamish 50-50. We'll stay in touch with her, of course. Big thank you to the show sponsors. Hammer Nutrition, Sufferfest Beer, Destination Trail, Ultimate Direction, and Exoskin. This show wouldn't be possible without you guys. If you haven't already checked out Patreon, love those group chats that we have, closed Facebook group, and the Patreon supporters really help, you know, keep this running. So thank you guys for the support. And check out, last but not least, my book is now on Audible and iTunes. Have a great week. Don't forget to enjoy your training.